Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, and possibly somebody's backyard, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, when they are embarrassed, they have a royal flush. When they sit on the thumbtack, they have a royal pain in the ass. We're talking about the royal family, and we're talking about them with local royalty and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, the Queen of Los Angeles herself, Pat Morrison, on your knees, peasants. <laughs> and speaking of flushes, prepare for some harrowing tales of sartorial's shame from us and you, our listeners. It's wall-to-wall wardrobe malfunctions, including a pair of exploding pants. Okay, maybe not, but a boy can dream, right? As we explore True Confessions, Fashion Edition. I'm Adam Felber, this podcast Lord Chancellor, meticulously keeping the royal house in order and gently steering the ship of state through the seas of confusion to the promised shore of rational discourse. And now, please welcome the Duchess of Digression, the Regent of Rambling, bend the knee from the Mad Queen herself, it's Paula Poundstone! Yay, guys. So lovely to be here. Hi, Adam. And thanks to tonight's house band returning champion, Ryan Gabrinetti from Santa Monica on the organ. Hey, Ryan. That means I could bump into Ryan Gabrinetti anywhere. I could bump into him at the (laughs) Rite Aid. I'm trying to think of the places I go. Or the Vaughn's Grocery Store. Or the Rite Aid. Or the Vaughn's Grocery Store. (laughs) Or... The Rite Aid. And the Vaughn's Grocery Store? <laughs> the Vaughn's Grocery Store. I don't go anywhere. Um, you know what? I, I, did go, I did go somewhere. I went, uh, I went out of town to tell my little jokes. Uh, I was in um, Boone, uh, uh, North Carolina. And, uh, I, and I had a television in my hotel room. I haven't had TV. Here at home, I have a television, but I don't know how to work it. Uh, and so, yeah, so I watch everything on like, a, you know, on my mostly I listen to things on my iPhone. But anyways, they kept playing the same commercial over and over again on this television that they had there. It was the mac and cheese one, the Kraft macaroni and cheese, where the mother is frustrated with her children and the children are frustrated with the mother at the dinner table. There's one where the mom's actually chasing a kid with a fork with a bite of something on it, going, one more bite. You have one more bite. Do you know this commercial? No. And then, you know, this sort of peaceful music starts to play, and it shows someone tearing open a bag of Kraft macaroni and cheese. Like, that's the solution. And this way here, the mother is happy, and the kids are happy. But I can't figure out what's motivating the mother who wants the kid to have one more bite. Is it... 
for health reasons? Because if you're trying to get your kid to eat for health reasons, then substituting Kraft macaroni and cheese is really not the solution. <laughs> I mean, I served my kids Kraft macaroni and cheese and we and we all ate it happily, but not not thinking that it was a healthy meal. Yeah. It just strikes me as such a strange ad. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, you know, uh, for my part, Paula, I just came back from a three-week walkabout all over that uh, that New a York walkabout? area. Were yeah. you in Australia? No, just the New York area. But they let you do <laughs> okay. Well, then that's not days. a walkabout. It's a walkabout sure it if you're in. A, no, it isn't. No, you had a visit. You visited New York. You walk walkabout about. Australia. I walked, I walked about everywhere. About I how about far? All of Highland Lake. You walked on a lake. I walked about. Jesus! <laughs> I feel like we're having some communication problems. I walked It's your mother's life. dream come true. Um, all right. Okay, so you were in, you, so you were on a vacation for three weeks. Is that three correct? Weeks. In Weehawken, Woo! New Jersey, as you know, I recorded from there, and Highland Lake, New York, and you know, I recorded from there. And now, finally, I'm back home. I'm not swimming in ponds anymore, I'm not walking about lakes. Yeah. Do you guys remember that episode where Adam sounded kind of distant, like he was underwater? Well, yes. turns out, turns out he was. Yes. He was underwater. <laughs> and we kept saying, Adam, can you adjust your mic? And he said, blub, 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 blub. I remember that episode. That was a good one. Well, let's yeah. uh, let, let's move on anyway, because, uh, you know, that that's what I do around here. Let's send it around the horn um, up to the valley. Uh, the Simi Valley, where we, we heard her voice a little bit earlier, your manager, our producer, everybody's friend, Captain Crinkle, Bonnie Burns. What's new? It's Asking a potluck the info party. <laughs> oh, but it isn't, Bonnie. It I isn't. know. <laughs> Boy, apparently that's just been that song's been stuck in her head. Yeah, I don't How's know. How's life in the Simi Valley, Bonnie? Well, first, I want to say while you guys were talking, I looked up the nutritional value of crap macaroni and cheese. I knew she was Googling. I knew wow. it. Tony, <laughs> Tony, Tony's away for a little while and somebody had to take up the Google slack. No, because sometimes, you know, I'll look up like a candy bar and it's really not that bad compared to something else. Like people think, oh, I'll have a low fat cookie, but it's really just, you know, the same as candy bar. It turns out mac and cheese really isn't good for you. There's like no way to <laughs> rationalize that that's an okay meal. <laughs> What was your first giveaway? Was it was it the was it the half a pound of butter that you cook it with, or was it the orange stuff? No, it's just you know when you look at it and you go, how many calories? How much fat? How much protein? How much sodium? There's just like no way to go. Yeah, compared to whatever yeah. meat, chicken. No, beef. there's not. You know what? I made some homemade mac and cheese last week by the lakeside. And it's just a disaster from a from a cardiac standpoint. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Nothing but cream and butter and cheese. Yeah. It is yummy. I mean, there's oh, yeah. no taking away the fact that it's yummy. And you know why it's yummy? Because I love butter. That's why it's yummy. I do have it. to say, after that meal, my, my eight-year-old daughter had the arteries of a 90-year-old. Oh. oh, yeah? She got a little clogged up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that can happen. You gotta, yeah. yeah. At least she didn't have to have one more bite of something else. One more yeah. bite, and the mom's chasing the kid with a fork. <laughs> yeah, one more bite. 
Yeah. Hey, Bonnie, uh, you interrupted yourself, but you were telling us how you were. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, you know, I think I don't have anything to talk about, which is unusual, I realize. Yeah. And I kind of sense sometimes now when I'm on the phone with somebody that maybe I talk too much because they're kind of going, okay, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know... One thing that happens to me, and perhaps Manager Bonnie Burns, you relate to this, which is that I work so much and do chores so much that my life does not have a lot of variety to share with other people. And the nuances of, you know, the specificity of what it is that I'm working on is just boring as all get out. Uh, And so during the pandemic, I didn't really talk to that many people on the phone because you know, unless the pets were doing something cute, there were long pauses. Yeah. You know, yeah, where yeah, people would say, what was it? What were you saying? Like, they'd, okay. All right. Whew, well, okay. You should have gone to New York and had a walkabout. That would give you something to talk <laughs> a about. Walkabout. You don't have a walkabout in New York. I tell you, I did. All right. Hey, <laughs> oh, you know what? As long as we're talking about people walking about and stuff. Um, I got another uh, letter from Tony Anita Hall. Oh, good. Wow. She's Googling somewhere. She a beautiful She's... gift basket of coffee. If you remember, she somehow escaped that, like, I guess, pirate ship and ended up rafting to Panama where she married this guy. And then he died and she took over a coffee plantation. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just got a letter from her in a gift basket. Oh, that's nice. Wow. Can Bonnie, did she, did she send you a gift basket? I know Paula, and I haven't gotten a letter from her. I didn't get one you? either. I, no, well, I haven't, and that's weird because I thought we were friends. Tyler, did you get a gift basket from Tony? Uh, no, I have not heard from her at all. Huh. Wow. Okay. Well, oh, by the way, she did add a note saying, please tell um, Bonnie and Paula that I'm sending you this coffee gift basket because Paula doesn't drink coffee and Bonnie would just ruin it with condensed milk. <laughs> Or evaporated milk or whatever it is, powdered milk. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Powdered milk, well, yeah. Yeah, apparently. Well, she read a different version of Miss Manners than I did, but okay. Okay, so here it is. And it's a lovely looking postcard of Panama. And it says, hi, guys. The days flit by so fast here since I lost dear Esteban and took over the coffee plantation. My twins, did I tell you he left me with twins? Ah. I can't remember. But little Aureliano and Jose Arcadia have grown so fast. They have lives of their own now, and there is little left for the widow hull to do. Although my sight is not what it was, I can see from up on this mountain that a cruise ship approaches the bay, sparkling in the afternoon sunlight. And so tonight I will drag out the little raft that brought me here, kiss my new grandchildren goodbye, and set out in the golden dawn for that faraway ship, the peculiar mists of Panama rising before my eyes and revealing at last the great truths of the bottomless ocean of existence. Or maybe I'll meet Eddie Lucas from below decks. Anyway, miss you all home soon, (laughs) love, the widow home. I can't believe Tony writes like that and yet didn't want to read Moby Dick uh, because yeah. that, that rivals Melville right there. Mm. Yeah, that yeah. absolutely does. By the way, when Tony, when Tony gets back, we're going to choose our next book uh, for our book club. Um, for those of you who thought we gave up in the book club, we have not. <laughs> we're out of luck, people. Not. We're going to yeah. do more of that. Yeah. No, you know what? I get the occasional email from people telling me that they read Moby Dick with us or 
that they didn't, but they enjoyed listening, uh, or um, that they're hoping we read another book and that it's not Moby Dick 2. Um, <laughs> there is no Moby Dick 2, is there? Um, there's a Jaws 2, 3, 4, and I think 5, but there's no Moby Dick 2. Well, kill, killing the... Uh, you know, killing the, the, the big monster shark or whale does not end the story if there's more money in it for the creators. Just keep that in mind. Absolutely <laughs> true. Certainly there's Moby Dick, too. Hey, Adam. Oh, yes. I have a word. <laughs> Great minds think alike. What's your yeah. word this week? Encomium. Okay. It's a noun that means a speech or piece of writing praising someone or something. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. The crowd cheered at the encomium for their candidate. Here, I'll use it in a family setting. How was school today, hon? I hope you didn't wear your hair like that. Mom, it's July. I wasn't in school today. I did look up a new word, though. It's encomium. It means a speech or piece of writing praising someone or something. You might want to run an encomium through that hair. Now, could you pass your old man some mac and cheese? Uh, I think we should wow. put that word. That word should go right straight into the vocabulary song. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> This week's word is encomium. It's a noun that means a speech or piece of writing praising someone or something. In conclusion, I would like to reiterate no one in the entire world has ever made such a fine vegan buffalo wing. Last week's word was risible. It's an adjective that means causing laughter. Ridiculous. Next year, I'll be teaching calculus. The week before that, the word was abjure. It's a verb that means swear to give up a belief or a claim. Come back to earth. QAnon's pretty lame. Going back before that, the word was pengendrum. It's a noun that means a person who has or claims to have a great deal of authority or influence. Yes, tell us more. You're so powerful, Mr. Mike Pence. And not long ago, we had indolent. It's an adjective that means wanting to avoid activity or exertion. Lazy. People who get up in the morning are crazy. Let's never forget free, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do. Deep Paula. Flawless, flawless rendering on the Glock there. Oh, <laughs> you know, anybody would like to take a moment uh, to uh, make an encomium uh, about did. that song? Thank you, Adam. Thank you very much. <laughs> just offered an encomium about that Glock playing. Oh, I really appreciate it. That was a heartfelt encomium. That oh, it, was, it was. It was. I was <laughs> feeling it. I was really feeling it. Adam! Adam, answer what? the phone. Oh, no, really? <laughs> yeah, answer the phone. Hey, wait, wait, Paula, wait, I have an idea. What if I don't yeah. answer the phone? No, answer the answer the phone. It's ringing. <laughs> I, answer I, the I, phone. I, I, I could not. Okay, no. okay. Fine. Hello? 
Hey, Adam, I really want to thank you for this chance to be an influencer on your show. I was thinking I'd say something like, hi, it's me, Mike Boom Boom Bonifat. You want to be like me, right? Well, I eat three Musketeers bars, and they're really good. They got the FNSI, and that's good. And then they got the chocolate on the cusp. They're good, man. Mike, Mike, what's FNSI? And also, second question, follow-up, what do you mean by cusp? FNSI, that's fluffy, not stuffy interior, man. What's the matter with you? Oh, yeah, okay, okay, FNSI, I get it. Okay, well, I, I, I don't know that everyone will know that. The young people will, and I'm really trying to influence the young people. You know, they'll hear me and they'll text their friends, Hey, man, did you see Mike Boom Boom Bonifat? He eats three Musketeers bars. He likes the FNSI. Shit, I really want to be like him. Then they'll text back, oh, man, me too. M triple B, he's the coolest. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's going to happen. Uh, what's the cusp? You know, cusp. It's uh, the outside. Yeah, but that's not what cusp means. Cusp means a uh, point of transition between two different states. It also means the outside. <laughs> Except that it doesn't, Mike. It does, man. Hey, Adam, are, are you jealous? Is that no. what's wrong? No. <laughs> Come on, man. You can be an influencer, too. When I get to the top, I'm going to reach back down. Hey, man, look, I got to go. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye, Mike. Bye, Adam. Jesus, that guy. I'm sure he's not being paid by Three Musketeers. Uh, no, I, 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 well, I have no way of knowing, but I think, uh, I, I really think that uh, Mike Boom Boom Bonifat as an influencer is gonna, you know, he's gonna have a lot of followers. I don't think so. Yeah, he's a guy that people can relate to. <laughs> That's true. Everybody, there's one in every town. All right, coming up, Joseph Gordon Levitt once said, "There's no royalty in America." Hey, Adam. So, Adam. yes, what? I was in the middle of a well-crafted joke. Oh, sorry, Adam. sorry. My That's mistake. okay. No, I'll get it. Hello. Hello, Adam. It's me, Nan Mumford. <laughs> Just checking in from down Maine. Uh, well, it's always good to hear from you, Nan. Well, thank you. I like to hear your voice, too, Adam. Uh, how are things? Well, I can't complain unless I really put my back into it. I've been working on the cusp all day. <laughs> on the what? On the cusp. I'm, I'm out in the garden. It's a beautiful day on the cusp. <laughs> Do you mean outside, Nan? That's where they keep the garden. I guess it's different in Valley Village, but here in Maine, we keep the garden on the cusp. That's where we grow our cabbage and potatoes and rhubarb and beans. Nan, I gotta go, okay? And corn. <laughs> And spinach, and of course the blueberries. Okay, Adam, I'll talk to you soon. I hope. I'll talk to you soon. I hope. Bye, Nan. Is uh, slow and lively as ever. Yeah, she stays busy though, doesn't she? Yeah, but this cusp stuff is starting to to rankle me a little. All right, coming up, Joseph Gordon Levitt <laughs> once said, "There's no royalty in America, Adam, so people." Adam. Yeah. Damn it, what? Answer the phone. phone again? Yeah, answer the phone. Don't you hear it ringing? Answer the phone. Now I do. Well, hello. Hello, Adam. (laughs) 
Hi, Winnie. You know, Adam, I usually keep my feelings on the inside, but today I can't help it. I, I just miss you so much. I'm wearing them on the cusp. <laughs> Jesus. Winnie, I'm in the middle of making a podcast, and I hate to be insensitive. Good. Then don't be. That's, that's what I love about you. You are so caring. Winnie, can, can you call another time so I can get back to work? Of course. Of course. Bye, Adam. Bye, Winnie. Why, why does everybody have the same wrong definition of... Never mind. Adam, answer the phone. I know. <laughs> no. God damn it. Hello? Hello, Adam. Winnie, I'm still making the podcast. Can I call you back, which I won't do? Oh, would you, Adam? I no. would love that. I'll sit right by the phone. I won't even go on the cusp. If my mother answers first, she'll hear your voice. She'll get a restraining order. She hates you. Okay, great. I gotta go. Bye, Adam. Bye, Winnie. Uh, on the cusp? You better call her back. You said you I'm not going to call her back. Don't, don't you break her heart. No, That's no, terrible. That's you know terrible. What, Paula, Joseph Gordon-Levitt once said, there's no royalty in America, so people deify actors. To which his date replied, nope, you're still not coming in. <laughs> you know, now I don't know if that was worth it. We'll talk to Pat Morrison about real royalty next on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of a midsummer night's dream okay and i played i played peter quince there there's the connection one of the mechanicals that's a great connection also yes has nothing to do with this which is that um quince is an online clothing store and as you know paula i've uh, i've lost a little weight lately oh right 75 pounds yeah so i literally have no clothes that are in my size until i just ordered some stuff at quince and i figured like here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself a whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i, I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. 
Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. Keep that in mind. They're oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kind of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Wentz sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing. They cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. 
You know, I think Bonnie got the midnight lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it. Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Jack London said, Brownie, sit, sit, Brownie, sit. All right, that's it. You're out of the book. And we're back. Thank you, house band Ryan Gabranetti from right here in California. Hey, uh, Paula, you had to, you want you wanted to tell me something, didn't you? I did want to. You know what? My dog Mo. That noise you heard earlier is Mo scratching. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with her. For months now, she's uh, chews on her paws and she scratches. And I was told to put like an Elizabethan collar on her head, but I can't. She'll bite me. And so oh. I was wondering, how did they get it on Queen Elizabeth? <laughs> um, That's a reasonable question, yeah. Yeah, it's named after her, and I'm not quite sure why. Did she used to chew on herself? <laughs> Are you expressing some curiosity about the British royal family? I am. I, I am. I'm, I've wondered a lot about the British royal family. I wonder if... Well, by amazing happenstance, Paula, we have an what? expert in that subject right here. No. Yes. She is a Pulitzer Prize sharing columnist for the Los Angeles Times, an Emmy winning broadcaster, and has a veggie dog named after her at Pink's. Please welcome Pat Morrison. Yay! Yay! Hey, Pat. Hi, Pat. Hi, and I can answer that question with the tune from Tuning a Ukulele. My queen has fleas. <laughs> what? Is it truly flea-related, that collar? No, but, you know, she's really skinny, so I think they just dropped it over her head. Yeah, and so there was, so there was, so there's no biting. That's that's good. All right, uh, some people may be surprised that we're turning to uh, L.A. Times columnist Pat Morrison to learn about the Royals, but I happen to know she has a background in Royals. Pat, how did you become trained in Royals? It was actually because of studying history in college and reading about World War One which was referred to as the Cousins War. And I thought, now, we all have cousins that we don't like. Maybe they put too much paprika in the deviled eggs, but you wouldn't go to war with them. So what is it with the first cousins who share the same grandmother, Queen Victoria, who were on opposite sides in World War I? So I started reading, studying, and finding out that, you know, they're not just people with a lot of bling and bad mustaches and beards. They're not? 
No. <laughs> so you learned about them, you know, through reading and, and research. And then was were there additional steps? Oh, sure. I covered them for the L.A. Times and still do cover them for the L.A. Times. I was on the Royal Yacht twice, which was more than Kate Middleton, for goodness sake. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. I got covered with spray paint by Prince Andrew on one of his visits to Los Angeles. And I spent an hour in the backseat of a car with Prince Philip. Wow. Why did you get spray painted? He was angry at the tabloid press, but he couldn't tell the difference. And we were in South L.A. at a housing project, which the tabloids weren't interested in. He saw a spray paint gun and picked it up and sprayed all of the press with it. Wow. Hmm. And it was, as you would expect, white paint. Oh, yes, you would expect it. Now, why are the Americans so interested in the royals? Like, you know, we watch their weddings. You know, they're in our, they're in our magazines and newspapers. Why? You would think that after we chucked them out 250 years ago that we wouldn't care anymore about it. Yeah. You know, that's what the strange thing. It's like they're celebrities with tenure and great jewelry and they can't get kicked out they may have gotten their heads cut off in the past but there they are forever and ever and they just seem so much better in a way than some of our trashy celebrities except maybe not so much better as we had thought as we are finding out yeah right they're a little little tarnished here and there um (laughs) here's something and this is a remarkably ignorant question but honest as can be. What is their role in England? England has Boris Johnson and a parliament. Why do they still have a queen? Come on. If you had a choice between Boris Johnson and all that blame, would you really pick Boris Johnson or would you put the blame on Boris Johnson? Paul? No. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. No, 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 absolutely. No. no. This all evolved from the system of monarchy, which, you know, six or 800 years ago, this was an absolute power. Your head could get lopped off, and that would make it really easy to wear that Elizabethan collar, by the way. (laughs) But as all of this evolved, as Parliament became more powerful, the monarchs gave up some power in exchange for being allowed to stay around. And so they still have a very passive role. The way it's been described is to advise, to warn, and be consulted. So there's a lot of power that they arguably have, but maybe when the time came to exercise it, like dissolving parliament, they'd say, ah, no, I don't think you can do that anymore. But there's still, everything in the government is done in the monarch's name, not in the Boris Johnson name. And unlike here, where our president is both head of the government, the executive and head of state, they divide it there. Boris Johnson is head of government, but the queen, the monarch, is head of state. So she gets to do all the banquets and smash the bottles of champagne against the ships, and he just drinks champagne, I guess. But, you know, that's that's interesting because I was once lectured by a tandem, a Canadian and a British person, about how much they liked that system because we Americans, when you insult the president, you're kind of insulting the country. And they can say anything they want about Boris Johnson or Justin Trudeau because it's the queen that is the country. Is there anything to that? That's exactly right. If you've ever been to Hawaii and you've been in a canoe with an outrigger, the canoe is Boris Johnson, the outrigger is the queen, which keeps you going on course without capsizing if there's a crazy person with a paddle. Oh, Hmm. geez, we should have thought of that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? Beyonce seems so busy. You know, and, and she has some pretty good bling. So I would like 
maybe put her mano a mano with the queen with all of this. But the queen, on the other hand, they've had like 500 years to accumulate all their loot. <laughs> and are they still rich? Oh, yes. They gave up a lot of their um, uh, ability to avoid taxes just because they were avoiding criticism over not paying taxes. And so they are taxed, but they have a lot of what we think of as their personal property is really like government property, like some of the big palaces and stuff like that. You know, the, the queen does not have her name on the deed to Buckingham Palace or Windsor Castle. Um, so, so they have a lot of personal wealth, but a lot of what they use and enjoy is public property. Even though if you try to go in and knock on the door and walk right in, you're going to get in real trouble. When you say use and enjoy, I don't think of the royalty as enjoying anything, do they? I don't think it's much of a job. I mean, if it were on my list, I'd put it probably just above, you know, the window at McDonald's. Um, on the other hand, you get kind of free housing and some, you know, pretty good perks now and then. Um, and uh, But in exchange, you've got to say a lot of the same things to the same people over and over again. You've got to look like you're having a good time when you're not having a good time. And that wave, I have tried to master that wave. <laughs> I got carpal tunnel syndrome after five minutes. It's tough. I was I was taught it was elbow, elbow, wrist, 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 the Queen's wave. But is that correct? Correct. And I'm going to put you in the carriage one of these days to, to find out. It, it's painful. It's painful. The elbow part is the worst. Well, at least she has when she's carrying that big circle thing called the orb or the scepter. They've got little brackets inside the carriage that she can rest them on. Oh. Eating a little bit? I don't know. Yeah, that is that is cheating. She did say that the the crown was really heavy. Yeah, yeah. She I, practiced when before her coronation. She practiced weeks wearing it. So she might be sitting at the breakfast table wearing it, or working at her desk wearing it. And imagine like walking in on somebody who's eating special K and wearing the imperial state <laughs> crown. <laughs> or she may have just had a bite of toast with margarine because that can happen. I've seen that happen. There is that margarine that if you eat it, the crown does appear. Right, exactly. Da, 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 da. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, that can happen. I, I, you know, it's not the imperial state crown. It's St. Edward's crown. But that's one of those things you learn. Like I can look at some royal bling and identify it usually within about a minute. You wow. cannot. I can't. This is the tiara. This is where it came from. This is where it was a gift from. You know, the one she wears on the stamps is the King George IV circlet. It was reshaped for Queen Victoria because she had such a small head. Everything else was big, but she had a small head. I'm, I'm the same with stuff from The Gap, but I don't think that's, that's, that's not uh, on this. I think your expertise is outstanding. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. When Queen Elizabeth dies, then, then what happens in terms of hierarchy? Then it's always the eldest, it used to be only the eldest son, and then the eldest son of the eldest son, but now they've changed it. So hereafter, it's the eldest child. So if, for example, Prince William's son were to have a daughter first, she would be next in line. But right now it's the son. And so Prince Charles will become king when the queen dies. Now, the queen has lived longer than any British monarch. And you know, Queen Victoria's son had to wait until she was like 80 and died before he could become king. And he was only about 60. And he once told this minister, uh, while I am grateful for my eternal father, why must I have an eternal mother? 
<laughs> but is there any thought that 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 Charles will just say, "Ah, oh, chuck it, I'm too old. Hand it over to William." No, no, that man has been waiting in the wings forever. And besides, remember that what happened in 1936 when King Edward VIII abdicated. It was the most shocking thing and the most damaging thing to the monarchy. I'm sorry, Pat, was that the one that went with the actress or something? No, it wasn't an actress. She was an American who'd been divorced twice. Okay, yeah. All right, got it. And so that was shocking. The, the American part, not so shocking. But the fact is that he would give up. And that at that point, he was an emperor because they still had the empire. That he would give that up for her almost brought down the monarchy. And so the idea that when when queen when the queen was crowned she wasn't just crowned they put holy oil on her forehead and her palms and this was for life this is a divine thing like what's left of the divine right of kings so abdicating like you're just retiring you know from Amtrak you know when you hit 65 it doesn't work that way you don't set aside that kind of of obligation and so the family wow. feels that way about the job so no, you you don't. It's not like checkers. You're not going to jump over somebody else. William is not going to become king right after Queen Elizabeth dies, unless Charles dies first, which is possible he, at this point. He's seventy something, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But seventies, seventies, the new forty. He's he'll be fine. I guess. And how old is the queen now? She's been she's been at this queening business longer than most of us get to live. She's uh, ninety five. Jeez. Wow. Now, her husband of 99 years just died, Prince Philip. Right. That part I knew. That's the one thing I knew in the whole story. Um, so, like, I was watching something the other day, and they showed when Trump was, you know, I don't know, had a meeting with the queen, and he, like, was walking in the wrong place and cut her off and was very rude. Uh, um, but those rules about how you behave around the queen. I mean, we don't really have that for all the presidents that go to the G7, for example. Um, well, except for you're not supposed to push them out of the way like Trump did that time. How <laughs> do they learn that? It's Say, uh, if I'm elected president, and I'm not saying I'm going to be, okay? I'm just oh, saying, come on, Paula. if it, I it, am. 50% chance, easy, right? Yeah, okay. You know, people say all the time I'm too negative. So if I'm elected president... Um, when... Yeah, right. Right. OK. Yeah. You, you got to think the thought. You got to think. So the thought. I'm donating to your pack as soon as we're done talking. <laughs> oh, uh, thank you. How will I learn how to behave around the queen? Who teaches that? There is etiquette and there is the White House chief of protocol who will tell you, like, don't slap her on the back. And when you meet the queen, which I have, there are rules like, you know, you don't speak first. The monarch will address you. Um you know, that you, that you don't um, like slap her on the back or anything like that. And uh, the first time you meet her, you say your majesty. And then thereafter, you say not mom, but ma'am, like ham. And so when I so when I watch the crown, I say, oh, yeah, OK, they got that part right. Oh, I've never seen uh, it. It's um, good. OK, wait, Pat, why did you meet her? Uh, because she was here in California and I was covering her visit here. And that was the first of the two occasions I got to go on the Royal Yacht. And that is some boat, baby. <laughs> and how long ago <laughs> was that? 30-some um, years, I guess. 
Wow. Apparently so she, she was merely old back then. She was merely old. But what I could hardly take my eyes off of, and here's where I identified it immediately. She was wearing the sapphire and diamond brooch that Prince Albert gave to Queen Victoria as a wedding present. Wow. wow. It was as big as a Reese's peanut butter cup. And I'm not talking about the little ones that you get at Halloween either. <laughs> no, the real ones. <laughs> no, but see, you got to, it's like, you know, tumors are the size of citrus fruit. You got to do jewelry according to like candy size. Is it a Skittle size? It is a Reese's <laughs> peanut butter cup. People know what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, I could picture it right away. Well, let me just say that um, Honor de Balzac once wrote, when religion and royalty are swept away, the people will attack the great. And after the great, they will fall upon the rich. And then they'll come for the people with funny names like Balzac. We'll defend the throne some more when we come back. The cat of the week is Loki from Iron Station, North Carolina. back with pat morrison talking about the royals talking about that, the royals <laughs> it, you know that's why i wanted to have you on because i am so not an expert on any of this um I, but i watch a little bit it seems though like a system that just makes a weird family that has no practice in real life in fact it seems a little cruel like raising exotic big animals in an apartment I mean, if you're Prince Harry or Prince William, uh, do you, you know, would you come home and say, hey, you know, I'm going to go over to Scott's house. And then, you know, next week, Scott's going to come to the palace. Uh, do they do that? I'm sure they do. They have their friends and they have their private lives, but they've gotten less private since, you know, maybe 40 years ago in the Murdoch press, which ended the kind of gentleman's agreement among the British press that the royals would go out and they'd be seen. They have to be like the tree falling in the forest. If you're not there to hear them, then the tree didn't fall. If you're not there to see the royals, what's the point of their being there? But the Murdoch press started, you know, listening to voicemails and looking into private lives. And as a result, that kind of distance and respect that used to go with the monarchy and allowed them to have private lives isn't there anymore. Now, over like 200 years, you have had gay princes and princesses. You have had princesses who had illegitimate children. You've had drug using princes. You've had all kinds of crazy stuff going on, like any family has problems, but it hasn't been public because they still did their job. You know, it's like recovering from the hangover. You get out, you go to work the next day, and you perform just fine. But with all this intrusion, it only looks like this family is crazy in these recent generations, when in fact, they've been kind of, you know, beyond normal in many cases, like most of the rest of us. Well, it's getting so that you can't you can't go to a party dressed as a Nazi anymore without people raising us ruckus about it. <laughs> so unfair. <laughs> it totally is. And, you know, there were in the 1930s Nazi apologists in the royal family and the British aristocracy, too. Oh, but now that you've raised the press, let, let's let's bring uh, uh, Harry and, and Meghan into it and all that. Has life become so intolerable that royals are just going to start leaving the family or were there other reasons for for Harry to, to take off and set up a brand in America? 
Well, you look at Harry talking about the intrusion of the press and how it, to his way of thinking, killed his mother, Diana, the Princess of Wales. And he didn't want a 2.0 of that for his own family. And so here's his wife, an actress and a celebrity who thought she knew what she was getting into, but there is no scrutiny in the world like the scrutiny of the British royal family. Because unlike a lot of public figures here who can be public because they're in movies or they do videos, the British royal family has to be out there and has to be seen in order to be effective. And just the scrutiny and how intense it was and how ugly the racist comments in Britain were about her was ample reason enough for him to say, no, we're going to pull the plug. But he was never going to be king anyway, right? He was never going to be king because every time William and Kate had another kid, it bumped him farther down the succession. Do you think William and Kate, because they just keep popping them out. Do you think it was just to rub Harry's face in it? No, I think it's not only the need for an heir and a spare, a term, by the way, coined by an American. <laughs> but, you know, now you've got three kids. That's a nice size family. And so Harry and Meghan would be doing peripheral responsibilities. Harry could have stayed in the military with military obligations. But here we go, cutting ribbons, opening um, care centers, doing a lot of good. I cannot tell you how much leverage in terms of charity and and good deeds the British royal family has. And it would be a difficult trade-off to give up that or to give up even part of that to go into life as private citizens as they are doing now. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, with so many Disney movies about princesses, you would think that Harry's wife would have known exactly what it would be like. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Wait, here's an important question. Uh, one time I did the tourist thing where you watch the changing of the guard. Um, if someone attacked the castle, would the Queen's guard be the ones who protect her? The, the guy with the, with the big fuzzy hats? <laughs> yeah, they're the, the household regiments. They change those guards. And, you know, who knows what's in those fuzzy hats? Maybe there's like M16s or grenades or... I was going to say, I would think the fuzzy hats would get in the way. Well, if you take that fuzzy hat off and search inside, you may find a sandwich. <laughs> some big ass gun. But you remember years ago, some guy actually broke into the palace, got past security and ended up sitting on the queen's bed while she was sound asleep. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When was that? This was like in the 70s or 80s. And there was a big scandal because her her alarm wasn't working and the security wasn't showing up. And uh, and so you talk about heads were rolling that time, metaphorically, at least they did. You know, on that, like people sitting on the queen's bed and stuff. That is that's a thing, isn't it? I, 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 I mean, it's not as gaudy as you might think inside those palaces. It's not like Trump's place. Right. We, we would call it shabby chic here. It's a kind of a thing to be, well, you don't want to show off your money because it's very bad taste to be flashy. And at the same time, if people know you have money, they're probably going to get a little jealous, a little resentful, a little envious. And then you have the French Revolution on your hands. Oh, and all of a sudden you have too many French people in Britain. In my own life, I've played this really well uh, because... Uh, People think I have no money. You don't show off your wealth, your vast wealth <laughs> no, at all, Paula. No. You live very people come, modestly. People come to my house and they're like, I, I, I thought for sure she had money. I thought for sure. I think, and I hope people don't take this the wrong way, but I think <laughs> you really need, Paula, to protect your um, Old Navy wardrobe because that is Smithsonian quality <laughs> stuff. It really is. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like any of that New Navy stuff. 
Yeah. Ah, oh, gauche. <laughs> Absolutely gauche. Um, uh, but you know what? As long as we brought up Trump, uh, you know, there were a lot of people speculating about uh, how Queen Elizabeth felt about the way Paula was referring to the way that Trump treated her. But she <laughs> did never he like really her? got. Did he like? Did she did he, like him? Yes, that's my question. And can she say? She can't say. She can't even say what she thinks of British politics. She especially can't say what she thinks of British politics because they're supposed to be above that. They're not supposed to indicate favorites one way or another. The monarch chooses the prime minister, but only after the election is over. And so it's like no choice at all. I mean, you really can't say, nah, Boris Johnson, I want that other person in here kissing my hand every Tuesday. Um so, so the queen can't can't tip her hand on British politics, and she's not supposed to when she meets with foreign leaders either. However, you look for little things like how big was her smile with Trump versus Obama. She enjoyed herself with the Obamas. The queen also loves the Commonwealth. It's the end. It's the last bit of empire. She loves the Commonwealth ministers. She loves the fact that this is a global reach to the British brand and 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 kind of the British spirit. And so when she's meeting with the Commonwealth leaders, it's clear she's having a good time. But Trump, uh, you sort of saw gritted teeth rather than smiles. So your every move is scrutinized and you can never state your opinion ever. What's not to love about that job? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you're off the hook, right? Uh, no, you, you know what? I, I think you're wrong. I think sometimes she'll throw like a kind of a gang sign with her fingers. You just have to know what you're looking for. I, I, she's <laughs> That's right, Pat. You're too busy looking at the rings on the fingers. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, but there's a, th yeah, there's a thing, you know, the, those the of queen. us who are wise to the streets can read it. That three-finger middle thing, it's the Windsors. That's a W. I'm looking at yeah. it now and thinking, you're right, Paula. How did I miss it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You throw in the, the, uh, uh, the M triple B. Well, Pat, that was amazing. And now we're going to take all of this newly garnered royal information and run it through the old Pounstonator. Paula? That was wonderful, Pat. Thank you. And you know what's also wonderful? House band Ryan Gabrinetti and his external organ. Thank you, Ryan. If I could get a little background music... I'll tell you what the old Pounstonator spit out. Your Majesty, presenting American comedian Paula Poundstone. <laughs> hey, Your Majesty, how are you? <laughs> Miss Poundstone, you may not speak to the Queen until Her Majesty has addressed you. I hear you're a fine comedian. I also have a podcast. It's called Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. I was wondering, Miss Poundstone, you may not ask the Queen to do your podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the language barrier. In America, will you be on my podcast is how we say hello. But hey, look, if asking the Queen to do my podcast is considered rude, of course I won't ask. You could subscribe, though. Or review it on Apple Podcasts. Miss Poundstone, you may not slap the queen on the back. I'm sorry. I remember <laughs> you crushed your vertebrae with the crown over breakfast when you were practicing as a teenager or something like that. Anyway, can't touch the queen, not even to give her an girl. Do you ever feel like Charles <laughs> is looking at you funny? 
I mean, my son asked me what he got when I died when he was 10. And he doesn't even get anything. I told him debt, and I want you to have it. Miss Poundstone, the queen, is not amused. Forgive me. I, I talk a lot when I get nervous, and I am nervous. I'm talking to the fucking queen. When you warmly press a pound into a grandchild's palm, you're on it. I had a great uncle, Leslie, who used to give my brother and sisters and I each a 50 cent piece when we visited him, but it didn't have his picture on it. I don't know how anybody could be a queen. You must get PTSD when you lose a game of chess. Even if you win, you must be hoarse from yelling, <laughs> seize him, seize him. Miss Poundstone, the queen desires you to leave as she has another appointment. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, if I can give you an encomium, I knew this was going to be wonderful, and it really was. Thank you I so, have, so much. Yeah. I have to agree. She's a writer and a columnist at the Los Angeles Times, and you should try that vegan hot dog. Thank you so much, Pat Morrison, everybody. Yay! Thanks, Pat. Thank you, my good people. <laughs> all hail, all hail. <laughs> Coming up, is that a kielbasa in your pocket, or is that how your trousers usually smell? It's True Confessions Fashion Edition when we come back. Fun fact, French poodles are actually German, which is why even at the shelter, they're the ones who demand to see your papers. <laughs> All right, and we are back. And once again, a giant thank you to our house band, Ryan Gabrinetti, on the organ. Nice um, job, Ryan. Yeah, really loved it. And Paula, I'm really excited because we innovate, you know, so much over here at Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. And one of our best uh, innovations, I think, has been our true confessions. Oh, yeah, yeah. People, <laughs> people see me in traffic and they shout out their confessions sometimes. And I go, no, yeah. just email it, email it to nobody listens to Paul Poundstone. We are America's confessors now. And, and I say that because we've done this like what once or twice, but now we're doing it yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. And with, with a new edition, it's True Confessions Fashion Edition. Oh, what are you wearing? Oh, what are you wearing? Ah, what are you wearing? Oh, today. Wow. Well, that is a uh, that's another unasked for unsolicited theme song from Bonnie Burns. Oh, my gosh. That's unbelievable. That was really special. I thought I did pretty well. I, I thought it was fantastic. fantastic. Absolutely. Great stuff. Uh, thank you, Bonnie Burns. Captain uh, Prinkle. All right, now we were only slightly derailed. Let's move forward. Hey, Paula, why don't you kick us off? Do you have any true fashion confessions? Ah, uh, okay. It's, this is not exactly fashion. Okay, it is wardrobe. Okay. So I drove up to a protest in Portland. Uh, I don't know, a long time ago, and uh, somebody told me because this is in the midst of COVID. So somebody told me that you wouldn't be able to use the bathrooms 
at the 7-Elevens at the gas stations on the way because they were shut down because of COVID. And so I was determined to go uh, join in the protests. This was when they were, the feds were arresting people in the unmarked vans. And uh, it made me so angry that I'm like, no, I'm going. And so I bought Depends. So, yeah, so that's how I got, you know, I'm like, if there's no bathrooms, fine. I won't use a bathroom. I'll just drive up to Portland. So uh, I end up (laughs) sleeping the first night uh, in a parking lot and I wake up in the morning and now I've got like a gallon of beverage in me. And um, I start to drive and I'm like, okay, you know what? I have got to find someplace where maybe I can I can pull over, you know, because now what I've realized is remember those commercials for like uh, diapers where they have a little bit of blue liquid in a cup and they pour it and it shows how it absorbs. Did you pee blue, Paula Poundstone? I didn't pee blue, but this is what occurred to me that morning when I realized, oh my gosh, I've easily got a gallon of beverage in me. That if it was just a little cup, I've seen the commercials, how absorbent it is, but it's not a little cup, it's a gallon. So no matter what I do, this diaper isn't going to hold. And so I pulled over to a place and I thought, okay, I'll go in. I'll go in and ask if they have a bathroom. And then I realized I'm not going to make it that far. I'm going to have to ask for a mop when I get in there. <laughs> and uh, so instead I went down the side of a hill. And I don't know if anybody uh, in Oregon saw the reports about the, um, what's that called when water rushes the mudslides? Um, but that was caused, that was caused by me. Uh, okay. So it's not exactly fashion, but it was like, I had seen the advertisement. I thought this will work. It was uh, a confession. Yeah, it was definitely a confession. <laughs> I think it counts. And, and, um, and it turned out by the way, that the bathrooms on the side of the road did let you use them. So it was not necessary, but it was uh, not necessary to bring down the, the mountainside. And a darn shame for those people living there. But you yeah, know what? And the, and the houses that were destroyed in that terrible mudslide. <laughs> and um, it's not that I don't feel bad about that. I do. No, nah, well, yeah, I'm glad that you expressed remorse. Hey, Bonnie Burns, yeah. do you have a, uh, a true fashion confession? I do. It's, it's pretty sad. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe maybe you should have chosen something different for a comedy podcast, but you do you, Bonnie Burns. Okay. So uh, when I was growing up in Seattle, there Stop was... Stop it, I'm crying already. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Seattle. <laughs> oh, my God, that's sad. Okay, okay go so ahead. So I got confirmed in ninth grade, and there was a, the confirmation dance was at the Glendale Country Club. And there were Wait a, a minute, Jewish- confirmed? Yeah, whatever. My parents made me do that. What and is it? It's something in the Jewish religion. Adam, oh, I didn't. I don't I, even remember it. I anyway, thought that was um, Catholic. Okay, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah, we we Jews never do that. I don't know what your parents were thinking about. I, whatever. It was like my <laughs> first formal dance, and I was in the ninth grade. So most of the Jewish people in Seattle that were like Reformed Jews, which we were, they lived on the east side, which was like the really rich side of town. We lived like on the normal side, which was like the foot of Capitol Hill. So to go to this dance, my mom is like so excited, the Glendale Country Club, blah, 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 blah. So we go buy me like this formal dress. It was like strapless blue sequins and it had a baby blue chiffon skirt, okay? And we go to like an expensive department store to get it. But we buy it in the bargain basement, okay? It's on sale. Now my mom says, 
here's what'll be great. And she gets, tucks me into a baby blue tiara. And I'm already- A tiara? Oh my God. (laughs) I'm already sensing like, you know what? This is already like too blue. And then that was when they used to wear the gloves like up to your elbow. Mm. And she says, those have to be blue too. So now I have the powder blue gloves and the baby blue tiara. (laughs) And now she says, you got to get the hose. We get dyed blue shoes to match the gown. So now I have those and she goes, your holes have to be the same color. And I really, every instinct is, this is way too blue to be white. And she's like, no, you're going to look fabulous. Blah, 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 blah. Now I have baby blue eyeshadow. The whole thing's blue. And I go to my girlfriend's house who lived on the east side and her parents see me and I could just tell by the reaction because the parents were going to drive us to the dance that this is already wrong. And I get to the They Glendale wouldn't let you in the car? Was that how you knew? just tell how when they look at you kind of funny that it was not right. And, you know, my friend had on, like, my friend had on like some regular dress and then like, you know, flats that were black or something. And I'm in like the dyed satin match your dress, high heels. And uh, now your mom we, dressed you for a prom in 1952. <laughs> so now I go to like the Glendale Country Club and... Uh, there's all these normal looking kids there. And I, I knew I was like the blue chicken that I, I was so wrong <laughs> that I just went in the ladies room and stayed in there the entire dance until it was time to go home. Oh, that's so sad. It's a little until, sad. until the band played the blue chicken dance. And then she came out. Here's Bonnie Birds. Gosh. Wow. That's fantastic, Bonnie. Um My story fails in comparison. Yeah, well. That's but you know, Bonnie, that's part of what's made you you. I was gonna say that. I said it. Okay. (laughs) You don't get to say it now, Bonnie. (laughs) Paula owns that statement about you now. Um, Mm -hmm. Here's mine. I used to, and it's more of an accusation than a confession. I used to wear a lot of really, really ridiculous outfits. Uh, Just for fun, I would look as ridiculous as possible. I think in college, my uh, most common party outfit was, you know those Rocky shorts, the Everlast red satin shorts? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would wear those and a, a marching band jacket over them and nothing else to a party. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was that guy. You know, even on a comedy scene, I was the guy who had, like, wear, you know, incredibly brightly colored crushed velvet pants for no reason. Stoned out of your mind? I kind of like <laughs> no. that. Yeah, no, it was just what I did. I just thought it was really fun to be funny and, and wear ridiculous clothes. Now... I didn't let go of it probably as soon as I should have. I held on to it through my 20s. And uh, there was one particular shirt I wore that I loved. It was like a white pirate shirt. You know, it had laces up the front and it was poofy. And you had to, the, the sleeves weren't regular sleeves. They had to be tied. I love like they that. Weren't even bu- oh, it was giant and poofy and piratey and wonderful. And I wore it a lot, I think occasionally with those crushed velvet pants. And uh, Jeannie, my wife, uh, then girlfriend, hated that shirt. She's it was ne- like, you know what? I love Jeannie, but she has never let you swashbuckle. She never <laughs> let me buckle a swash. In fact, and here's the, and Paula, I know you're familiar with that movie, A Christmas Story. Love it. 
uh, yeah, and this is essentially my version of the uh, the leg lamp in the window. Yeah. Yeah, because, uh, you know, there were several nights where we were going to a party and Gene would be like, are you sure you want to wear that pirate shirt? And I'd be like, of course. Hey, we're going to a party, aren't we? It's a prestigious award. It was a major award. It's a major award. And then there was one day. Yeah, and I think it was in like 1998 or 1999 or something where um, I looked into my closet and I guess Jeannie had done a laundry and accidentally washed my pirate shirt in hot water with something bright red. (laughs) Oh, so now it's a pink pirate shirt. Pink and kind of looking tie-dyed and just inescapably ruined. Oh, oh. There, there is my true fashion <laughs> accusation. Whoa. Whoa, what you can't you can't plunder with a shirt that's pink and blotchy? Nah, yeah, I would have been I would have been like the tie dyed blotchy pirate. It just yeah. wasn't the same. No. No. She did it on purpose. I mean, I've always thought she was trustworthy, but you hear a story like that and you realize, and then you, you, then you realize you don't really know everybody. Yeah, couple um, times, couple times I've been to your house and Jeannie said, "Oh, Paula, do you want me to wash those pants?" And I know now, just say no. No, no, you definitely don't want her because she hates those pants, Paula. Yeah, I always wear the same pants. So yeah, um, wow, these are these are confessions. These are major confessions that we've made. Well, speaking of confessions, let's bring Tyler Burke up to the mic to uh, let us know some of our, you know, because we reached out to our Facebook fans, to our fans on Facebook, the nobodies, and said, what are your confessions? What are your true fashion confessions? And Tyler, uh, Tyler before you read them, uh, Bonnie, will you just reprise your theme song? What are you wearing? Ooh. What are you wearing? <laughs> what are you wearing today? Go! <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tyler, step on up to the mic. Yeah, so we got we got tons of responses <laughs> from our question asking for uh, embarrassing wardrobe moments. And Shannon Terror writes, Yep, once wore a new t-shirt with a prominent L sticker positioned directly over the left breast. Didn't notice for a while, <laughs> but the people in Starbucks did. I thought about getting an R for the other one. That's great. It's also helpful when you're when you're giving instructions to someone about your breasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, turn <laughs> turn right at the left breast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Paula, though, didn't Laverne wear an L on her left breast, or was that on her right breast? Was it on? Was it on her sweater? The L, or was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it you're right. never yeah. occurred to me that it meant left. I always thought it meant Laverne. No, but she was giving guidance to uh, to uh, Lenny and Squiggy. <laughs> you know what? Much like your "Who Will Buy" thing, if there are any listeners out there, and I know, uh, um, you know, a, a lot of women have uh, nicknames for their breasts. If any of you have oh, nicknamed your that. breasts Re- Laverne and Shirley, please write in and let us know. <laughs> and Paula, I bet you there are two listeners who have that nickname. <laughs> Pound of worms. <laughs> oh, is this how you think you're going to cancel out your worm yeah, responsibility? Yeah, do we have a bet? Uh-huh. Do we I have see. a bet? Uh-huh. So you're, fi- yeah. you're finding an equal and opposite. Uh, uh, I see. Yeah. Um, I don't think there are any nobody listens to Paula Poundstone listeners that have ever nicknamed their breasts Laverne and Shirley. Okay, the gauntlet is thrown down. <laughs> if you're a. Li- Nobody out there. And you've ever referred to your breasts as, as Laverne and Shirley. Uh, please write in. I'm sure that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Why do your mate calls them Laverne? I think that Get counts. Get another mate. 
I say break up. Um, <laughs> when, wow. Uh, there, there is one uh, listener, a nobody, uh, that's overcome some challenges, uh, and she nicknamed her breasts my three sons. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, Every time she comes in the room, uh, they go na 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 uh, we got we got a, a message from Maria Guarino. Uh, Maria wrote, "The day I got a tattoo, I was wearing a dress. I had to hike it up because I was getting it on my hip. The guy doing the tattoo asked if I was uncomfortable. I assumed he meant the pain from the gun. Turns out my thong was on sideways and the crotch part was on my hip. Somehow I managed to put them on sideways and never noticed. Sadly, since that day, I have managed to do that more than once. Wow." Sideways. So, wait, so your thong was on sideways. And the crotch part was on her hip. Huh. So does that mean that her whole waist, or hip to hip anyways, was in a leg hole? Sounds like it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, maybe it was just, maybe she was just using that pain to... Yeah. Distract her from the <laughs> searing pain of. Uh, oh. I, I, I hate, I hate tattoos, um, but but I'm happy for her. I, I, I don't, and I think that story was fantastic, Maria. Thank yeah. you for sharing. It's a hard visual. It's a hard visual. Well, you it's know what? She, you know what? She was getting a tattoo of. Um, what? The words "my underwear is on wrong." Oh. <laughs> Well, then, then the guy shouldn't have even asked the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my hips are in the leg hole. That that's uh, that's what a, she. Had. It was a Chinese character that means hips in the leg hole. Yeah, but that was on the other side. So one side right. was on my underwear's on wrong. On the other side, my hips are in the leg hole, um, which sounds like a great like Credence Clearwater song. <laughs> Found my hips in a leg hole looking for the man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crotch on my hip. That's Proud Mary, by the way. And that was not Credence Clearwater. Uh, That's true. Wasn't it? Popped him. Yeah. I think, I thought it was. I thought John Fogarty wrote that and then Tina Turner uh, famously covered it. Oh, perhaps. I could have been entirely wrong. I could be entirely wrong. Bonnie no, has no, Googled it at this point. All right, I will. Where's Tony Wilmer? <laughs> oh, no, you're not Googling, are you? All right. You kids keep going. <laughs> All right, Tyler, step All right, on up. Powder blue mama. Sure. Uh, Kate Scales writes, when I was in middle school, I had a witch's hat that I liked so much that I wore it not just on Halloween, but for Christmas. I would cover it with green fabric and put Christmas ornaments on it and wear it all day at my middle school. And I didn't have the good sense to be embarrassed about it until much later. You know what, Kate? I just want to say, I think that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the idea of the green fabric and the ornaments. I mean, maybe I'm just saying that to defend myself, but I wore, <laughs> I wore one of those. You have a lot of witches' hats. I do. I have a lot of witches' hats, and I wear a lot of Christmas outfits. Um, no, actually, and ornaments. I think, 
I think that sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah. I, it's where a lot of my ornaments have gone. Remember my snowman that melted on the light bulb? Oh, yeah. I just remember so many great Christmas Eves having you over, and we all gathered around and put ornaments on Paula Poundstone. It's like a family <laughs> tradition. It's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful tradition. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and they, you never, you never even flinched when those little hooks would go into you. No, it didn't bother me. And then, and then they would put me on a hook, uh, just on the mantle there at the. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe that wasn't a Christmas celebration. Wait a minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, Kate. I don't know why you would be embarrassed about it. I, I think it sounds very creative and very festive. Bonnie, where are we with Proud Mary? Well, Adam's right. John Fogarty, Creedence Clearwater. Yeah. You sound so sad about that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what the hell? Boy, she does not like for you to be right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but they say that the Tina Turner version amped it up by 10. Yeah, it was a big hit. By 10? Is that what it says? <laughs> they by said, 10? Yeah. If you ask the guy from Spinal Tap, he says it's by 11. That's right. It upped the intensity of Fogarty's Country Rock Anthem by a factor of 10. You know how I don't get every detail exactly right? <laughs> I've noticed that. I didn't know I you knew. I have too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had no idea you were aware of it. <laughs> I kind of scanned. For the were you expecting picture. everybody to go, no, Bonnie. <laughs> I got you are, some of the words. Like the farmer's I got almanac. the overview. I got yeah. the overview. She probably um, was hoping that we would clutch our pearls and say, how can you say that? And yet we were both <laughs> like, yeah, you do that all the time. Yeah. I said yeah. up by 10. I think I yeah. got intensity in there. No, you didn't. Um, all right, Tyler. Tyler. Tyler, one more. Bring us home. Uh, Lori Robat writes... While a college student living in Boston, I was walking home with a bag of groceries in each arm when I felt my panties slowly sliding down my legs under my skirt. Of course, there was a trolley broken down next to where I was walking, as well as old men sitting on the stoops of the brownstones I was passing. I didn't want to draw more attention by putting down my groceries while yanking up my panties, so I did a weird waddle to my apartment. I'm sure that made me look even stranger. You know what we're finding here? There's a lot of women that don't know how to put their underwear on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it makes me think, Paula, maybe you have a talent. Yeah. Well, I wear a, a thick, cottony, high-waisted brief. Right. Um, but you've so, never had any trouble putting it on, right? Oh, none. None whatsoever. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I'm thinking maybe... Uh, uh, maybe a TED Talk. Maybe I could do a TED Talk. Yeah. <laughs> where I just explain to people how to get their underwear on securely. Oh, yes. Uh, so, yeah. All right. So look forward, listeners. First of all, thank you so much, Nobodies, uh, for these True Confessions uh, fashion edition. But also look forward to my TED Talk I'm putting on your underwear. <laughs> and that has been True Confessions fashion edition. If you don't know how to put on your underwear, don't go outside. <laughs> on the cusp. There you go. That is that you, that is Bond. Well, that was fun. Hey, nobody's. If you have questions or comments, or you just want to find out where our book club has gone, send that stuff to nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And Paula, this is the moment when I ask you. 
what's going on in the Poundstone product empire this week. And Adam, this is the moment when I answer you. At Poundstone Industries, <laughs> also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, we follow the rules and do our share. No, you can't pay for my grandchildren's private school. I don't have any grandchildren. Just pay me my salary. It feels good to be a good business. Speaking of feeling good, Kirkus Reviews says, my book, The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, is A Pure Romp, a deeply revealing memoir in which the pathos doesn't kill the humor, delivers more than it promises. If your bookstore doesn't have it, you can get it at the store at paulapoundstone.com. You can also find Poundstone Pussy Pillows at the store at paulapoundstone.com. They are handmade four and a half inch by five inch catnip filled pillows with a grommet for tying a string. There's a cat joke on one side and on the other side, I will autograph it to your cat. And what cat doesn't collect autographs? Oh, by the way, on Saturday, August 14th, I'll be in Bayfield, Wisconsin at the Big Top Chautauqua. And on Friday, September 10th, I'll be in Munhall, Pennsylvania at Carnegie of Homestead Music Hall. Tell them my little jokes. Oh, I'm sorry, Adam. Of course there's more, but <laughs> Heidi. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just want to remind everybody that on November 16th, but you can pre-order it now, my new book, Confessions of a Puppet Master, which I wrote with Charles Band about the incredibly weird life of Charles Band, will be coming out. So go to Amazon or wherever you buy your books and pre-order it now. I'll just throw out a couple of fun facts from the book. Um, let's start with his early life. He claimed that his dad had been personally moved to America by FDR and that his first babysitter was Marilyn Monroe. And it turns out those things are true. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, and there's way more. I'll be teasing you with little nuggets like that all the way till release day. All right, subscribe to this podcast, everybody. It's free. You'll get it every week at no charge. And while you're there, why not review our show on Apple Podcasts? If there's a subject or topic you'd like to know more about, tell us. Once again, that address is nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And why not review us on Apple Podcasts? It's a good thing to do. If you want help composing the review... Please write to us. <laughs> at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And then leave a review. That's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam Lee Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Pat Morrison. Yeah. Yay. Love her. Thanks to our house band, Ryan Gabrinetti. Great. Check out his band, Reflective Detectives, anywhere music is sold. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lizabnik, Tony Nita Hall, and Tyler Burke. Intern is Carly Patrone. Starbirds <laughs> production by Land Romo and Kyle McGraw. Yay! Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Hey, do you see what she's wearing? Oh my god. It's like so blue. It's like how much more blue could you get? I bet her underwear is blue. And I'll bet it's not even on right. Right? Is that blue eyeshadow? Oh my gosh. Whose kid is she? I'll bet her mother talked her into the whole blue thing. I bet so. I mean, like, I wouldn't wear blue elbow length gloves ever. 
You know why? Because this why? year is yellow. Everyone I know, but that. she's like totally blue. Yeah, you're supposed to use yellow elbow length gloves, yellow pantyhose, yellow Like your yellow skirt, elbow length yellow. gloves, and they look great. Oh, thank you. Yellow is so in, blue is so out. Oh, my God. If I were her, I'd go hide in the... Bu- oh, it's like I predicted it. There she goes. Oh, my God. She's going to be in the night. <laughs> I'm going to knock on the cubicle door. Come out. Come out. Blue girl, come on out of there. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's already seen you in all blue. <laughs> blue girl. Blue girl. Like, come out. Blue girl, Gainsborough's here. He wants to paint you. <laughs> A podcast network. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.